Thank you for listening to our church podcast, where it is our joy to share helpful truths from the Bible. We pray this serves as one more tool to help develop leaders within our church and community who love and honor Jesus and reveal it by loving others. If you have any questions or comments about any of the messages, we invite you to join us on any Wednesday, 6 p.m., for a group discussion on the passages and sermons found here. Luke 2, this is a a fascinating passage in Luke's gospel because it is the only recording uh, of Jesus as a boy. We have no other stories about Jesus until the age of 30. So for 30 years, this is the only account of of Jesus' life. And so our text this morning gives us a glimpse into the childhood of Jesus. It's also uh, Jesus' first recorded words ever. And so for, again, for 30 years, he doesn't speak. And then all of a sudden, here's two sentences that we get only in Luke's gospel. And so this will be a fascinating thing for us to look at this morning. We see the setting here in verse 41. The, uh, it says that the parents, Mary and Joseph, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Verse 42 says when he was 12 years old, speaking of Jesus, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So Passover was uh, basically equivalent to our Easter. It was normally uh, either in March or April, depending on kind of like Easter, how it lands at different times. I don't understand all that, and I'm sure you don't either. Uh, but it, it fluctuates like that. But once a year, all the Jewish men were supposed to travel to Jerusalem. Uh, that was the custom. It was actually instructed in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, and there were actually, there were, there were three feast times each year that they were supposed to go to Jerusalem. But Passover was kind of like the big one. It was like our, our Christmas, maybe. Passover is the big deal. It still is in, uh, in Jewish culture. And so when, when Jesus was 12 years old, this was likely his first trip to Jerusalem. Because uh, if you've ever heard of bar mitzvah, maybe you know that term. Uh, when a child turns 13 in Jewish culture, that's when they become basically an adult. It means son of the law. They are responsible for keeping the customs and the laws of Judaism at 13 years old. And so at 12 years old, they would go normally to Passover for the first time, basically to orient themselves, to kind of learn, learn the ropes a little bit before they're responsible uh, to do these things themselves the next year. And so likely this was Jesus' first time uh, being in Jerusalem since he was a baby. And so verse 43, it gives us uh, kind of the plot twist here. Verse 43 says, when they had fulfilled the days uh, as they returned, this is a seven-day feast, so they were going back home up to Nazareth, says the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. So a journey like this normally would involve a caravan of people because uh, I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago, we showed a picture of what Samaria was like, but uh, there's nothing in between Nazareth and Jerusalem. It's a bunch of desert, basically, once you get into Samaria. And there were a lot of robbers uh, along the way who would attack travelers and steal their money. If you've heard, you know, the parable of the Good Samaritan, uh, when Jesus talks about this, how people, uh, a man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and somebody attacked him. That This is the same road uh, that these people would, would be traveling through. And so uh, often they would travel in large groups for protection. Mary and Joseph, it seems like they were not accustomed to looking after Jesus very closely. Uh, He never did anything wrong, of course. He was sinless. And so the text uh, seems to indicate that that they were just assuming he was with the rest of the group. It's also possible there was a a lack of communication between Mary and Joseph because uh, the children and and the women would would go in the front of the group to set the pace because if the guys went in the front, you know, they'd outrun everybody and leave, leave people behind. So the women and children would normally travel in the front of the group and the men would be in the back. 
Uh, but children that were around teenage years, they could go in either group. And so it's possible Mary assumed that Jesus was with Joseph and Joseph assumed that Jesus was with Mary. And uh, they found out later when they came back together uh, that night to settle down, they found out that Jesus was not with either one of them. Verse 45 says, when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. So they travel all those probably 20 miles or so that they had gone that day. They go all the way back to Jerusalem. Verse 46 came to pass that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. So it says there are three days. That's one day, because uh, it says they went a day's journey north to Nazareth, or headed that direction, and then they had to go a day back, and then they spent a day looking for him, and they found him on the third day. And they found Jesus sitting among the religious teachers in Jerusalem, engaging in basically a, a catechistic form of learning, question and answer. This was popular in in Jewish culture, that they would train the children. In fact, it still is in, in Christian culture. You heard of the Westminster Catechism. It's a question and answer format uh, that goes back hundreds of years where people would train children that way. And, uh, and Christians have engaged in this type of thing uh, throughout the centuries of church history. Also, I mean, here on Wednesday nights, we mentioned this earlier, but Wednesday nights will be resuming uh, starting this week, and we do the same basic thing. It's a question and answer time where we dialogue about the scripture. It's a way of teaching. And so Jesus was engaging in this discussion with the, it says the doctors there, this just means the, the religious leaders in Jerusalem. These were the best trained, uh, the best and the brightest of the theologians of Jesus' day. And here he is at, at 12 years old, uh, sitting with them and, and discussing theology with these religious leaders. Verse 47 says, All that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. They were amazed that such a young boy could engage in an intellectual conversation at the level that Jesus could. Verse 48 goes on to say, when they saw him, speaking of Mary and, and Joseph, they were also amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now, as I was thinking about this, maybe they assumed that something had happened to Jesus. Again, Jesus didn't make a habit of being irresponsible. He was, he was a perfectly sinless person. And so, uh, like I said, I don't think Mary and Joseph were used to having to watch uh, after him very closely. And so when they find out Jesus is missing, I think the natural response of a parent would be to assume something terrible has happened. Uh, maybe he was kidnapped. Maybe he was hurt. Something that prevented him from traveling with the rest of the group. And, uh, and so maybe they're expecting to, to find him in some sort of trouble, and then they finally find him, and he's just calmly sitting there in a theological discussion with these religious leaders. I mean, this would have been uh, very out of character, seemingly, for, for this otherwise responsible child. Perhaps they also overheard the conversation of Jesus and were likewise amazed at his understanding and his ability to speak on these matters. Verse 49, we see, He said to them, Jesus responds to the question of his mother, saying, How is it that you sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. Jesus does here at 12 years old what he's going to do many times throughout his ministry. He answers a question with a question. And you know why he answered a question with a question, right? Why not? Some of you got that anyway. Uh, these are the first recorded words of Jesus in the Bible. And we see here in his response, Jesus understands his unique relationship to God as his father. You see in verse 49, he refers to God 
as his father. This was not a common thing. We read that and sometimes kind of gloss over it because we think of God as our father, right? And Jesus tells us to. That's right for us to do. But no one had ever called God their father. Uh, nowhere else do we see a Jew saying of God that he's my father in this close uh, familial type relationship. And so this would have been a shock to the people who heard this. You know, in John's gospel, when Jesus refers to God as his father, they try to kill him because they say it's blasphemy. And so this is, this is expressing a very unique relationship Jesus had with his father. And he understands this at 12 years old. He understands his unique relationship to God. He understands his mission on earth. And in verse 49, uh, there's a word missing, a noun missing here in, in Greek where it says, uh, I must be about my father's business. It literally says, uh, don't you know that I must be uh, in the blank of my father? It doesn't, there's no word there. And so different translations have done different things. Some have said, uh, I must be about my father's business. I must be among my father's people, or I must be in my father's house. Those are all possible translations of this phrase. And I think the most likely is actually to say that he, he must be in his father's house because it seems to fit the context. They come here after searching for Jesus and he says, why were you looking around for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? That seems to fit the context. Verse 50 says, they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. They, They didn't understand fully the nature of the relationship, I don't think, between the father and Jesus, nor the special calling on his life. And as time went on, Mary seemed to grasp more and more of what her son really was and how unique and special he was. But I don't think she got it right away. I think it took a while. And then verse 51 says, He, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. He submitted himself to their authority. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Jesus submitted to the authority of his earthly parents, even though he understood that he was the Son of God. That is an incredible thought that Jesus knew who he was. He clearly has a recognition of the fact that he is the Messiah. He has this this mission to to rescue the world. He, He understands his relationship to the Father, and yet the Bible teaches that he submitted himself to the authority of his parents. And likewise, we know that we're supposed to submit ourselves to multiple levels of authority, right? Uh, children are supposed to submit to parents. And, uh, and all of us are supposed to, as citizens, submit to our government. And, uh, and there's different levels. Wives are to submit to husbands. Workers are to submit to employers. Uh, there's all sorts of roles in which we all have to submit to others. But it's amazing to me that Jesus had to submit as well. Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. He was obviously, in this, in this text, it's very clear, he was wise beyond his years, and yet he had to submit to his earthly parents. He chose to submit to his authorities. And if Jesus can show such humility and obedience, we ought also to submit ourselves to the authority of those that God has placed over us. And then verse 52 gives this concluding statement. Uh, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in wisdom. He was a child unlike any other child in that he was sinless and that he was the son of God. And yet he was also like other children in that, uh, you know, when Jesus was born, it's not like he could speak Aramaic fluently. He had to learn the alphabet just like everyone else. He had to grow as a normal human child in some ways. He was God, but he was also man. He had to grow up just like other children. And the text says that as Jesus grew up, he was increasing and advancing and progressing in wisdom as he increased in age. And he was favored by God and by those around him. When I was a boy, I hated reading. I don't know if if you guys are like that. Tito's nodding his head there. Uh, I hated to read when I was young. 
And uh, my parents would try to get me to read and, and it was always a struggle because I just, I was so bored by books. Uh, but there was one exception to that. When I was young, I did enjoy reading biographies. And my mom would especially uh, push me to read some, you know, younger level biographies, simple biographies of people like uh, George Washington or, uh, I don't know, Sir Isaac Newton, somebody like that. And I was, I was fascinated by those stories as a young child, hearing about uh, just the, the life of these great people. And normally in a biography, what happens is the author gives you some details about where the person was born, a little bit about his family background, and then uh, pretty quickly gets to his adult life. And there's normally just a couple of key stories about his childhood uh, that normally they come back later in the story, right? They're, they're put there on purpose because the author feels that they're significant for you to understand uh, the story of this great person. And so in the Bible, we have four biographies of Jesus Christ that we call Gospels. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell the story of Jesus. And most of it is about Jesus' adult life. Only Luke gives us a glimpse into Jesus' childhood, and it's only in these 12 verses that we see what Jesus was like as a boy. This singular event is all we're given to get to know Jesus better. And so why did he include this? Why did Luke decide that of all the stories of, of Jesus' childhood, that this was the one that he was going to include in its gospel. And, and we talked about several weeks ago how uh, Mary was likely a source of information for Luke, that Luke seems to have had a, a connection with her. So Mary, obviously, I mean, she had all of this, these stories that she could have told about Jesus, but this was the one that stood out in their mind as being important enough to include in this uh, biography of Jesus, if you will. And so what is it that is revealed about Jesus Christ in this story? I think there's three characteristics of Jesus that we learn from this text. First of all, Jesus was spiritually minded even from a young age. He was not distracted by temporary or insignificant time wasters. Uh, when he's 12 years old, he's so uh, in tune with, with his goal in life of glorifying the Father that he, he decides to spend this time as a 12-year-old boy talking about theology with these religious leaders. I mean, th this was a boy who grasped uh, eternally significant things. He was not interested in uh, just meaningless time wasters. He was, he was spiritually minded. Number two, Jesus was submissive even when those in authority were wrong. You know, again, Jesus was sinless. Mary and Joseph were not. And so it's, it's hard for all of us to submit, right? Nobody likes submitting because we're submitting to sinners, right? It's, it's hard to submit because the people we're submitting to don't always make the right decision. And they don't, they don't always do the right thing, and yet we have to submit anyway. Well, imagine being Jesus. He's, he's perfect, he's sinless, and yet he's having to submit to sinful, broken parents. And so, of course, that means at times Mary and Joseph were wrong and Jesus was right. And yet he submitted to their authority. He put himself under uh, their authority. So number one, he was spiritually minded even from a young age. Number two, he was submissive even when those in authority were wrong. And then number three, Jesus was stupendous even as a child. Jesus was amazing. Even at 12 years old, he astonished and confounded the best educated men of his day. At 12 years old, Jesus was focused on the things that really mattered. He was fixed on serving the Father his youth seems to be marked by maturity, understanding, and submission. And when people spent time around this boy, they were amazed. In our text, all the, the best and most knowledgeable teachers in Israel were astonished at the wisdom of Jesus, even though he was 12 years old. And then in verse 52, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom. He was already so wise that people were shocked when they heard him speak. And yet for 18 years, he continued to progress in wisdom. 
So as a 30-year-old man, when he begins his ministry, that we'll see that in chapter 4 of Luke's gospel, his wisdom is on full display. I mean, this is truly the wisest uh, human that has ever walked this earth. Later on, it would be said of Jesus, never a man spoke like this man. Mark records the response of people when they saw Jesus' healing power. It says that they were amazed. They were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Jesus is the most unique person to have ever lived. He was sinless. He was filled with wisdom. He was compassionate, yet he was also a man of strong convictions. He would stand up to those who were teaching error and call them hypocrites to their face. He would anger his enemies until they tried to kill him. He would, you remember the story, he makes a whip and he drives out the money changers from the temple, these greedy scamists uh, that had taken over the temple. And yet he would also wash the feet of his disciples, even though he knew one was about to betray him. He would weep at the death of his friend Lazarus. He would welcome children to him, even when he was busy. He would spend time with the most despised and outcast members of society. He would feed people, he would heal people, and he would teach them about God. The more you study Jesus, the more fascinating he becomes. He's truly the most captivating and compelling person that ever lived. There may be times where, like Mary, you and I uh, read something about Jesus or you hear something that he says and you don't quite understand uh, what it is that he's trying to, to get across. Let me encourage you, like Mary, ponder those things. Keep them in your heart. Uh, dwell on them. Think about them. And over time, you'll begin to learn more and more about this astonishing man. But for today, we see just a glimpse into the childhood of Jesus. And what we find is that he is an amazing boy. He's an amazing boy, and he's God. He is God. We see this very clearly in the text, that he understands his relationship to the Father, that Jesus was, he was a boy. He was a human being. Uh, he had to eat and sleep and, and grow just like every other person, and yet he was God. He was an amazing boy who was God. It came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou dealt with us thus with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. He said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus is amazing. We hope the message you just heard was helpful to you. It means a lot to us that you would join us for this podcast. For more information about our church and meeting times, visit lbcmiller.com or call us at 219-885-9303. We would love to hear from you.